Ho, ho, ho. Will, what time of the year is it? It's the holiday season. The holiday season. So whoop-dee-doo. We're gonna record a Smug Buds episode for you. And drink some nog. Does yours have rum? Yes. Mine too. <laughs> okay, cool. It is 1.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> it is 3.30 in the afternoon. Okay, well, agree to disagree. <laughs> well, happy holidays. How are you doing? I, can you please describe what I'm wearing right now? You are wearing a holiday sweater, uh, green with uh, Zelda-themed accents. Mm-hmm. And I say Zelda because uh, Zelda is the boy, uh, as we know from <laughs> being online. Yes. Uh, and you are also wearing a uh, traditional North Pole elf's hat with a jingle bell, uh-huh. which inspired me to pull my uh, Santa hat out of the closet. Yes, and you're and... looking quite cute. Oh, uh, thank you. Same to you. Thank you. Um, I, I have a review of A Marriage Story. Oh, okay. It's just called Marriage Story, uh-huh. unless you're talking about a different marriage story. Nope. <laughs> okay. Here's my review. I haven't seen it, but Adam Driver has never looked more like William Hoffacker. Oh, thank you. That's, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, Dana and I just rewatched uh, The Force Awakens uh, oh, yes. last uh-huh. night. Um, I had seen, I had rewatched, you know, bits and pieces here and there, but never really, like, watched it from start to finish since it was in theaters, like, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that Adam Driver is about uh, 200% more captivating than anyone else or anything else on screen. And I've never been so happy to look like someone in my life. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because I don't think you look like him all of the time. Sure. But the times that you have looked like him, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, very overwhelming to me. (laughs) because i'm like looking at adam driver and i'm like that's will that's fucking will (laughs) what is happening yeah i'll say that there's a moment in uh marriage story which is a movie that i think is pretty good i like Uh, noah bombach so and uh, i like adam driver yes uh i i like uh both those uh creative people as well uh there's a scene where uh Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson uh, come home. Uh, they are still together, and they have a child who needs a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And they come home a little earlier than the babysitter is expecting, and the babysitter is a little bit caught off guard. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where, in being flustered, the babysitter says something to the effect of, "I'm sorry, you're just you're both just so hot." <laughs> Which I thought was, like, a nice nod to the question that I think, if you watch enough movies, many people tend to ask. Which Uh is, like, if these characters, in fact, look like the movie stars who are portraying them, Mm -hmm. why don't more normal people stop and just gawk at them all the time? (laughs) And Marriage Story actually writes that into the script for this little funny moment. That's incredible. Yeah. So, Will, do you want to? Do you have any notes before we get started? I don't think I do. I'll say what we're going <clears> to <throat> talk about, and it's your episode to lead. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about something that you've wanted to talk about 
pretty much from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then also, at my request, we're going to talk about an additional thing. Yes. Uh, and the two things that we're going to talk about are, in order, uh-huh. Last Christmas uh-huh. and Last Christmas. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to tell you, I've already started the show notes for this, because we're doing a, a, a quicker turnaround for this one, though not as quick as it could be. Mm-hmm. And the um, the description I have is, Liz does a close reading of her cra- favorite Christmas song, now a feature film. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, we're talking about Last Christmas. Uh, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. And there's a specific reason I want to talk about this. Um, I Well, first off, let me ask you this question. What's your favorite uh, Christmas song? Difficult question. Um, I mean, look, I have my hipster answer to this That's question. That's fine. I, I which, accept a hipster answer. By the way, I'm not taking this hat off, so you're going to be hearing these jingles throughout the whole thing. That's fine. And (laughs) and, and there's there's nothing to do about that. Uh, This this is... I I don't want to sound like you asked me what my favorite Christmas movie is, and I said, like, die hard. Die Uh hard. Uh, So at the risk of sounding like that, truthfully, my favorite Christmas song is Don't Shoot Me Santa by The Killers. I thought you were going to say River. No. I'm Just not like sure a sad I mean. Christmas song. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm, you know, I... uh, it's, uh, it's coming on Christmas. Oh, yeah. Or something, trees. I do recognize children that. children singing songs of joy and peace. So I wish I had a river. Sure. Could sail away on. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't hate that song, uh, but it's nowhere near my favorite. The Killers have released a number of Christmas songs over uh-huh. the years, and uh, Don't Shoot Me Santa is uh, my favorite and just just one of my favorite songs. <laughs> I don't think I know that song. Well, then, clearly you, you didn't listen carefully enough to when I was a, a radio DJ on our <laughs> campus radio station. I tried to listen as much as I could. At this time of year, that would have been uh, a mainstay, a staple uh-huh. uh, that you definitely would have heard. Uh, and we'll put the video in the show notes. Uh-huh. I have a I have a Christmas uh, playlist uh, on YouTube that uh, it's a few years old at this point, mm-hmm. and I'm just looking to see if there's anything else that warrants a mention, like. Uh, one of my favorite Christmassy things is, you know, the old uh, Rank and Bass uh, stop motion animated, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Or like my favorite is uh, The Year Without a Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. I have only seen that like one time and I literally was like, what is happening? Where is Rudolph? Yeah. The Year Without a Santa Claus is like special for me. And there's... Uh, couple of songs there's like these two sister songs there's the heat miser song Mm -hmm. and the cold miser song yeah uh and uh those are favorites and also there's a cover of that by big big bad voodoo daddy and that's Uh that's pretty good and that's on this playlist and uh tegan and sarah have a cover of the chipmunk song christmas don't be late oh my gosh i had a album that was my mom's when i was a kid that was called uh, 
it, it was the crickets, and it was like a chipmunks knockoff chipmunks knockoff band. Mm-hmm. And they had a knockoff Christmas song, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because my mom was like, "Yep, we weren't good enough to get the actual chipmunks album. <laughs> we had to get the, cri- but it was still just like." Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that pitched up. Uh, Patton Oswalt has a great old bit about that uh, chipmunk song about uh, having it on a on a an LP, having mm-hmm. it on an actual record, and yeah. playing it at half speed, <laughs> so that the <laughs> so that the chipmunks are just normal sounding people. Oh my god! And then John is uh, is that his name? John the human. Their human master. Is oh, yes. This, like, I think his name is John. He's <laughs> just like, he's like a demon overlord uh, <laughs> commanding them to sing. Uh, it's so good. Um. So, yeah, I like Christmas music a lot. I think it's fun. I think it's weird. Every night we, um, every night, every Christmas Eve for the past, mm-hmm. like, eight years, we've driven from uh, Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, where Kenny's still living grandmother um, is to uh harrisburg and uh we listen to just christmas music the whole time you know we're just changing the station every time we lose it mm-hmm. and it's there's always that's when the weird ones come out man mm-hmm. and there's always a weird one are you familiar with uh the christmas donkey uh yes uh dominic dominic jiggity jig it's dominic the donkey yeah yeah the Italian Christmas donkey. Yes. Uh, so, in fact, I think that there was a Rankin Bass uh, special for Dominic the donkey. Really? I remember this would have been like nine years ago or something. Pretty early on in my relationship with my formal uh, romantic relationship with Dana. Uh huh. I got her the year without a Santa Claus on DVD as oh, a Christmas uh-huh. present. Like oh, that's this sweet. is really special to me. Let's watch yeah. it together. And I seem to remember that there were a couple of additional specials on the DVD, uh, and I think that there was a Dominic the Donkey one. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. No, yeah, not enough to get its own DVD, but fine as like a special feature. I also really like rocking around the Christmas tree because, at mm-hmm. least in the original recording of it, I, who, whom I do not know who did that, um, when she's like, maybe we'll have some pumpkin pie. Like, the way she says it, I mm. always hear, maybe we'll have some fucking pie. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And when I pointed that out to Kenny, he cannot unhear it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've had that in my head for a long time. I don't remember <laughs> you putting it there, but you probably did. <laughs> Uh, Bob, my late father-in-law's favorite song was Drummer Boy, which I thought was, like, such a weird choice. Hmm. You know, Bob was this, like, uh, I mean, very kind, but, like, in a motorcycle club, uh, mm-hmm. owned a lawn care business, had a bunch of tattoos of, like, skulls. Uh, he had a tattoo of a, of a skull in profile with a ponytail because, quote, even when I'm dead, I won't cut my hair. Uh, I, I would wager to say, especially when you're dead. <laughs> he, uh, he loved Drummer Boy, and I think mm-hmm. that song is so boring. And the only other person, mm-hmm. and it's not even a person I know who loves Drummer Boy, is, uh, uh, An- uh, Angela. Angela? 
From the office? From the office. Yeah. Um, I want to read this tweet from Hanif Abdurraqib really quick. Uh, quick. He tweeted the other day, uh, so many classic Christmas songs are the narrator just kind of being like, yo, come through and check out this baby. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the song that I truly love, and I, I love it unironically, but I do love it because of its deep flaws, is Last Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, two years ago, when I was in uh, going through the whole Bob is slowly dying in a coma situation, I had tweeted something like, there's not a playlist of every recorded version of Last Christmas anywhere on YouTube, and this is a travesty. Mm-hmm. And Sal uh, Payne and Teresa Beckusen, who I were tw- I was tweeting fairly, re- or I was texting fairly regularly at this time because Sal's from Scranton. And so mm-hmm. I was just, anytime I'd see something just like incredibly depressed in Scranton, I would text Sal about it. Yeah. Uh, like at one point there was a whole nativity scene on top of the construction site of a bridge that had collapsed. Cool. <laughs> um, they made me a playlist of 20 yes. songs that are Last Christmas covers and also mm-hmm. the Mar- Bare Naked lady- Ladies just not a as a surprise. Uh-huh. That's a fun <laughs> surprise. I I had loved the song, but it was in this moment when I was listening to the song literally 20 times in a row mm-hmm. that I realized that it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Okay. The video makes less sense. Interesting. And I love it. And I, mm-hmm. I think I also like this song because it is just purely a pop song that has the phrase Last Christmas in it. Right. There's no real other mention to Christmas. Right. Except in terms of the idea that there's gift giving, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But that could be in a song that would not be about Christmas and no mm-hmm. one would bat an eyelash. Sure. So I'd like to do a close reading of this. Yes. I'm going to go through some of the lyrics first, and then I'm going to go through the video. Is this amenable to you? Yes, please. So first, I want to go through... I just want to talk really quick about... Not really quick. This is the crux of the whole thing. But I feel like from this moment, it can only expand outward. Which is the chorus. It's how the song starts. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. Can I interject that... Yes. Recently, some friends and I were at the uh, private carry private room karaoke place uh, uh-huh. here in Tucson. Is it a Korean karaoke place? Yes, it's called KTV or Voice okay. KTV. Yeah. And in the past year, that's been one of my favorite activities. Uh, we it started uh, on my last birthday in January. Mm-hmm. It was my request that we go there. And we've gone there in different combinations, maybe half a dozen times since then. Yeah. And uh, this past time, I put on Last Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the second time it went through the chorus at the beginning of the song, I made the joke like, oh, the, the song that is just chorus. Uh-huh. Because I, I honestly had a moment where I was like, huh. Maybe this song doesn't have verses, and I just—I <laughs> was just remembering it wrong. Because any other song, like most pop songs, yeah, are like verse, verse, chorus, yes, et, et cetera. 
And this is literally chorus, chorus, verse, etc. So I actually have a note about that. I found this article from 2017 about um, this song and how it was recorded and stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's a song by Wham. It's by Wham, which is George Michael and the other one. Yep. Andrew Ridgely. Apparently it- George Michael was a huge control freak. Okay. Does it say in your notes or in your article that you're referencing now when this song is from? When 1984. It was 1984. Okay. Yes. The George Orwell special. Yes. Yes. So um, let me read this from this article. Um, Part of the reason for Last Christmas's success is that it sounds like nothing and everything. The backing music is extremely simple, verging on generic. Quote, mm-hmm. It's one of those rare songs with the same tune and chords for the verse and chorus. Right. Yes. No middle eight section, but with a strong enough melody to sustain it, says Ellen. The music itself was deliberately nondescript, says Porter. One of the really clever things about George was that he realized that he wanted to fo- wanted the focus of the listener to be on his voice mm-hmm. and not, not on the musicmanship. So the music's often very stark. On Last Christmas, there's a very simple foundation for the vocal and the melody to sit on. Um, this is getting at and we've already had this conversation yeah i think on mike in the misheard uh episode uh from Mm -hmm. season one right the first time this came up yes and you said you just wanted to listen to all the different covers of the song and i thought that's insane Uh and this what you just read is getting to like that's a good description of the reason why i was thinking that way is because his voice is the thing. Yeah. And so to want to hear a cover of that song is strange to me because it's like it's it's not it's not like a great song no matter who's performing it. Oh it's yeah, like, yeah. It's 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 a it's a mediocre song carried by an, an extremely good performance. I think I I think the reason I like hearing the different iterations of it is because the lyrics are so silly mm-hmm. that, and it, and it says here later, lyrically, Last Christmas is far more distinctive, a hugely sophisticated song that teems with mixed signals and the potent illogic that defines the best pop. Yeah. And I think that this song actually is very similar to me, is another one of my favorite pop songs, uh, I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Okay. Where, do you know the story of why of I Want It That Way? No, I don't think so. So I Want It That Way was written by Max Martin, if I'm remembering Mm. correctly. And uh, he is Swedish, I believe. And he hadn't really learned English yet. Mm. (laughs) So the the chorus of I Want It That Way... Yes, Max Martin. The chorus of I Want It That Way is, Tell me why, ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why, ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why, I never want to hear you say I Want It That Way. And the rest of the song is just like nonsense like now i can see that we've fallen apart from the way that it used to be no matter the distance i want you to know but deep down inside of me you're my fire you're my one desire i don't want to hear you say i want it that way Mm -hmm. like it just is words that make no sense together there's no narrative there's not even a sense of like who's right or who's wrong in the song yeah it's just catchy it's catchy and uh there's actually a version of this you can find on YouTube now where basically he, they tried to write a version that was like way more narrative and the Backstreet mm. Boys were like, no, we want the other one. <laughs> yeah. 
But I feel like that's sort of what's happening in this song, which is that, like, it defies logic. Um, yeah. And that's why I'm so interested in it. Um, oh, the other thing I will note about Max Martin is, um, you know how Britney, do you remember Britney Spears' song Hit Me Baby One More Time, which was actually just called Dot 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 Baby One More Time? Of course. He also wrote that. Uh-huh. And there was a lot of criticism at the time, which actually sounds like sort of woke for the time, but there's a lot of criticism about it being about like basically like supporting domestic abuse or like glorifying domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I just thought it meant like call me. Yeah, like hit me up. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um so, that's the that's the importance of prepositions right there. Yes. Um, one more note about the, the music. Uh, the next paragraph in this article is, Despite that simplicity, Michael was also striving to sound unique. Normally when artists are in the studio, says Porter, they use other musical references as touchstones. But despite a love of Motown and an, audi- and an audible debt to Chic, Michael never did that. Unfortunately, Last Christmas did resemble a number of other songs. It sounds remarkably like Cool in the Gang's 1983 track, Joanna, and Barry Manilow thought it was so similar to his 1978 hit, Can't Smile Without You, that he took Wham! to court. Porter says the case was thrown out when a musicologist presented 60-odd songs from the past century that had a comparable chord sequence and melody. Yeah. This is slightly a pet peeve for me. Uh Uh-huh. I don't remember the context, but in the past, I'm sure that I've referenced Everything is a Remix by Kirby Ferguson, which is like a video sort of lecture series, like sort of Uh like a long video essay in parts. And the first part is about music. And it's sort of like, okay, let's look at remixes, like literally. And Mm -hmm. let's look at like times when uh, some musician, you know, sampled something by another musician and times when it was done on the up and up and times when it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the video is just playing songs side by side. Like, listen to this song and mm-hmm. then listen to this song and one's going to fade into the other one. And you're going to hear like how one copied the other. And I don't. I just. Oh, I just, that's so interesting. I just don't hear it. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't get the similarity. Uh-huh. And and maybe I don't know, maybe I have a tin ear, or maybe I am just too focused on like some surfacey, superficial differences, like the difference in like instrumentation between two different yeah. songs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm only hearing that rather than hearing what I'm supposed to hear, which is like the thing yeah. underneath, which is like beat or tempo or 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 whatever. I think also when they do that, they're trying to let, like, a layman hear it. But I feel like usually people who can, like, write down and, like, look at the sheet music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Are like, it goes this chord, this chord, this chord, this set of notes in the melody. And then this one goes this chord, this chord, slightly different chord, but then a similar set of notes in the melody. Right. So, yeah, it might just be your lack of technicality, but yeah. not necessarily your lack of um, having bad hearing. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> okay, so now, can I go through the chorus? Please. Okay, so the chorus is, Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, but the very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. So mm-hmm. let's think about this. So okay. I, I have a, a breakdown here in parts. Part one. 
In the world of the song, one's heart represents a physical object that can be given and received. The speaker gives the heart to the you Hmm. last Christmas. The you then gives it away the next day. Mm -hmm. But here's where it gets... This is why it's so weird. Because we've established this, like, use of the word give. It's in, like, three out of the four lines in the chorus, right? It's not throwing it away. Mm -hmm. The you is giving it away. Which is indicating that it was given to someone. Sure. Just as the speaker gave it to the you... Yes. But there, here my Yes, go ahead. There's an implied recipient. Yes. <laughs> but then the question is like who regifts a heart? Who did they who who did they give it to? Mm-hmm. Like where is this person? But then you get to the most baffling part which is this year to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special, which again implies based on the logic of the song do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, let's say, let's say, we 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 have to read into it that now in the present moment of the song, it's Christmas again. Yes. So there's an implied like 363 or four days. Yes. From last Christmas to the present moment, and it's implied that if the speaker is going to give it away again this year. Something happened in that time that led to the speaker reacquiring. He retrieved it. <laughs> yes. The heart that was given at least twice. Once yes. by the speaker and once by the recipient. He like went up to that person and was like, hey, um, sorry, that's actually mine. I oh, I, hate, I hate to do this, but that's actually mine. The Can other I possibility, I guess you could say, is that there is... Such a thing, mostly speaking metaphorically, but maybe we could come up with an example of something that you can say this about literally, where if you break off a piece of it, a Kit Kat, <laughs> let's, let's say, let's say I break you off a piece of my Kit Kat bar. Kit Kat heart. I can say to you, I gave you my Kit Kat. Uh-huh, that's true. And it doesn't have to be the case that I gave you the whole thing. Yeah. I could have retained up to, say, three <laughs> individual Kit Kat pieces. <laughs> so... Up to three. Yeah, so... You've so, got three more lives here. Yeah, so, so when, it, when the speaker says, I gave you my heart... They actually mean, like, a significant enough piece of my heart mm-hmm. that it, the piece in and of itself constitutes my heart, i.e. Right. A, a Kit Kat as an individual piece rather than all, all of them together. Yeah. And therefore, a possibility, therefore surely. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that piece of heart never made it back into the speaker's possession, but the, the speaker has enough has retained enough pieces of heart yeah. to do to do another giving away to someone special. Or, like, maybe their heart's actually a starfish. Mm, and, right, like, the limbs yeah. can regrow. That's, yeah, some, some sort of reptilian conspiracy yeah. going so, on. So, that was... Once I really figured that out, I started look, looking more closely at the lyrics. I want to point out that in the first vo- verse... 
He says, tell me, baby, do you recognize me? Well, it's been a year. It doesn't surprise me. And I'm like, wait, so you're telling me that you, like, are still devastated over this woman, but not surprised that she doesn't remember you? (laughs) I mean, woman is a stretch, but... So I'm going to use, we're going to talk about this very shortly, but I am going to mostly use like male, female pronouns here, largely um, for clarity and distinguishing between the two, but also mm-hmm. because that's the way it's set up in the music video. Right. So you have a, pro- you have a problem with, so basically, well, it's been a year, it doesn't surprise me. It's implying that the recipient doesn't recognize the speaker yes. a year later. Yes. And you have a you have a problem with that because there was a heart exchange? Because the, the speaker is so offended, so offended that this person betrayed them a year ago. Mm-hmm. And the root the the song is sort of about how they're gonna make better choices. Right. Um but it also says like the the line after that is there like there's a little another couple lines then it says uh now i know what a fool i've been but if you kissed me now i'd know you'd fool me again mm-hmm. and i'm like this person doesn't remember you yeah like i feel like this song is about somebody who made out with somebody else when at a party once and they were yeah. kind of drunk and then george michael finally grew a beard and then they see them again he's like oh you don't recognize me and they're like um who are you and it's like yeah. well, he has a beard and they were also drunk when they made out so I think that that you are talking about that like that is a problem with the song. Yes. And I would say <laughs> that is baked into the cake. Like I would say like that is fully a part of it. And yes, that is the dynamic between these two people and it's all there in the text. Right. Possibly, yeah. That's 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 just my reading of it. And that's that's a fair reading. I just think it's funny because I feel like I guess I'm more critical of the speaker than I am of the song itself in this moment. <laughs> I think you are bringing. A, I think in your reading, you're bringing like a relationship between the speaker and the recipient that's not necessarily in the text. Yes. Because you can say like, "I gave you my heart. You gave it away." Like it it could be just you know it's. It is in the text, like, one-sided. Yes. And so it could be just, like, unrequited. It could be, like, puppy dog love. It could be uh-huh. the recipient, like, barely knows the speaker. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I guess the way I have to read this for it to make any sense is that you giving it away is that that person betrayed the speaker. That the recipient is truly, like, an ex rather yes. than just, like, a crush. Because Yes, because otherwise it's, like so in the realm of like illogic of like you know you're in middle school and you like a boy and then your friend who doesn't know that you like the boy dances with that boy at a dance and you're like devastated and mad at your friend when your friend one didn't know that you liked the boy to begin with and two like there was nothing there (laughs) I think that perhaps you are bringing to your reading yeah that for a long time, I assume you've been acquainted with the video. Yes, also and I'm that. bringing to my reading that like I had never seen the video; I just heard this song for many years. Uh huh. So the next sort of verse that happens is a crowded room, friends with tired eyes. So they're all together. 
I'm hiding from you and your soul of ice, which is incredibly cool. <laughs> dramatic. And he says, my God, I thought you were someone to rely on me. I guess I was a shoulder to cry on. And then this is mm. the other incredibly interesting part of this, the song. A face on a lover with a fire in his heart, a mm-hmm. man undercover, but you tore me apart. Yes. Now I found a real love. You'll never fool me again. He's gay. Right. And I feel like I can't find anything on the internet, and maybe I did a bad job. But <laughs> George Michael came out in 1998, and this song came out in 1984. So this was mm-hmm. 14 years before he came out. And I'm sure that there was maybe rumors and stuff, but the the use of pronouns here is really baffling because the whole the whole song is like I you I you first person second person first person second person mm-hmm. so to switch to the third person here i think that it's really tricky right and i think it's sort of smart because if he was truly speaking about his own like an actual relationship that he had at one point mm-hmm. like he's able to sort of hide behind this third person where a face on a lover with a fire in his heart could be referring to the speaker mm-hmm. but it could also be read that it's not the speaker because then you have this line, a man undercover, mm-hmm. i.e. I- closeted. Yeah. Um, Like I was undercover, but you still tore me apart. Like I was, hi- I was closeted, but that doesn't mean that you didn't like break my heart. Yeah. I think that everything that you're saying is valid and legitimate. And I would just add that considering this verse in the context of the previous verse that you just read. Yes. I think that I would read into it that like a man undercover must be the speaker because the previous verse was just about like, I'm hiding from you in this crowded room. Uh Uh-huh. So like that to me implies that like he's the man under, the speaker is the man undercover because he's trying to hide. That's possible. So that's my close reading just of the lyrics for now. Okay. Let's get into how they go with the video and what happens in the music video. Yeah. So, Goslings, if you have not seen this video recently, if you have a moment, uh, if you have not seen it at all, I will be describing it, but if you'd like to go watch it, now would be the time to do that. I'll pause and wait. Great. That was a real uh, emotional roller coaster, wasn't it? It was a real emotional ski lift. <laughs> okay, right. So let's talk about the ski lift. So we open on a snowy scene, and I learned that this was in Switzerland, where Ooh. hypothetically a bunch of friends are spending Christmas at a ski lodge. Who does this? Truly no one I know. I assume wealthy people. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Wealthy people who don't have families. So George Michael is with some blonde chick, and his former lover, which is very obvious very early on that there are former lovers, which is this fluffy brown hair lady in a red coat, is with... Wham bandmate uh, Andrew Ridgely. So they're together this Christmas. That rules. <laughs> uh, okay. I, so- I have to say, I, 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 I've praised uh, George Michael and his voice, and I've watched the video twice today. I, I don't know who these people are. Right. You know, I was born in 1990. Yeah. I, I I inferred who George Michael was. Yes. <laughs> from from the camera time. Uh-huh. But you you could have told me anyone was the other guy in Wham. I, yes. I have no idea. 
And I, I guessed that, but I, I had to look it up. Um, a note that I read, and I have some fun facts that I put in the show notes about the song, which is that the other people that are at this party are, um, some of them are their background singers that they toured oh. with. Uh-huh. Um, the person who, uh, was the lover of the, of the, the song, uh, is a model who had a name, but she was like a known person. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, there, there are people in this, uh, music video that people may have recognized at the time, yeah. or at least, uh, George Michael knew who they were. So it wasn't just like a set of extras. Um, I do, speaking of them know each other though, I think that this is what makes this like ski lodge Christmas trip so weird. So it's true in the music video, it says, you know, I keep my distance, but you still catch my eye. And they do still catch each other's eye in the music video, but they both catch each other's eyes. She very clearly recognizes him in the music video. They're like eye fucking each other the whole time. Okay. Where he's like, I can't, like, I can't even do this on a podcast. I'm just like, he's just like. I see you across the room. And she's like, I see you, but I won't say anything. And we're not I, sitting next to each other. And everyone else is like, Merry Christmas, doing everything else. <laughs> I thought it was a little bit more one-sided than that. Again, I've only seen the video twice. And it, it was just today for the first time. I, you, you, please correct me if you think I'm wrong. Yeah. I think that George Michael is the only person who looks straight down the barrel of the camera. Oh, no, she definitely... I, I don't know about down the barrel of the camera. She definitely looks at him. And that first scene that they get... They mm-hmm. sort of meet up with each other and she's like yeah. on a balcony and he's like driving up or whatever and he's with his girl. Yeah. Um, she looks at him and is he's looking at her and they cut back and forth more than once and then she looks nervously at Andrew Ridgely like the acting is like I don't want to say good but it's like there's some nuance here where she it's like she looks up to be like did he see that I was looking at George Michael yeah I you you are much more the expert than me in this conversation so (laughs) consider my perspective just like the the novice who like I, I I would probably see it the same way that you do if I were as acquainted as you yeah. with it. Um I I I understood that they what was mutual between the two of them yeah. was recognition uh-huh. and they have a history. Right. But there's so, also something one-sided which is longing. Uh-huh. And it's and and he's longing for her. That's but possible, that's, yeah. But that's not that, that part of it is not necessarily mutual. And when she looks at her current boyfriend, she's not worried that he's going to know that she was making googly eyes at George Michael, mm-hmm. but is just worried that like, oh my my ex is here <laughs> when I'm here with my current boyfriend. I think And that's like awkward. I think she's flexing a little bit. In a way well, that's a yeah. little flirty. Because, well, there's okay. another scene later at the table where she is like, I'll get to it. But, um, yeah, I think that he's definitely longing for her more than she is for him. But I think that she's not, uh, I think that she is taunting him at the very mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the thing about the rest of the people at this party is that only half, I think, of them actually know each other. <laughs> Because okay. a lot of the people, when they get there, are like, 
hug, some people like are hugging each other, but then there are other people that are shaking hands and doing there, that like, yes. oh, it's good to meet you. I noticed a handshake or two. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I picked up on that. Which again, I think is so weird because it's. I think it would be one thing if it was like one person or mm. two people maybe that was like the new boyfriend or whatever. But mm. this is like half of the, it's not just like, oh, George Michael's new girlfriend, which is that blonde chick. It's like a lot of the people who are there. So, mm -hmm. which gets more confusing in a second. Um, also, it's indicated that they're going skiing because they have skis, but we never yes. see them go skiing. Well, that's true. And I mean, that's understandable. <laughs> okay. But more confusingly, they then take a ski lift to the cabin that they're staying in. Yeah. I've never done that. I've never... Look, as as little experience I, as I have with this music video, I have even less experience with skiing or <laughs> being on a snowy mountain. I guess so, part of the reason I think it's weird is because, like, they they have... Well, okay, I'll get to this. So so they they, they are taking all of their luggage with them on the ski lift. Mm -hmm. Including skis that they don't use. Seems like a waste, a lot of work for not skiing. Yeah. They get to this house, which apparently doesn't have a gate because they just walk over the fence. Mm -hmm. And then the next scene is their Christmas decorating. Mm -hmm. And was there like a small amount of Christmas decorations or a large amount of Christmas decorations? Large? So large. Like there's a tree. There's a full tree. There's mm -hmm. garland. They're, like, setting a table, like, a full table with, like, crackers and stuff and, like, specialty mm -hmm. napkins. There's, like, literally everyone in the room except some lady in white is, like, doing an activity. Mm -hmm. And I have a question about this, too, because, like, were the decorations there already? Mm -hmm. Were It doesn't... It, they're almost certainly renting that house. I... I just... I just have to... I just watch it... And I just have to assume, well, they're really rich. <laughs> and I, I just, I just think that that can explain, yeah, like all of it. Like this is another take. This is like the opposite end of capitalism explaining a lot of what's happening. There are no other people in the video except maybe there's like a ski lift operator, <laughs> right? There's like a guy who like yeah. gets off the ski lift and yeah. like welcomes them onto it. Yeah. yeah. This could very well be, like, a privately owned mountain, let alone, like, the cabin right. that is on That's the mountain. Possible. Okay, so when they're decorating... Okay, so first off, Andrew Ridgely is putting on real candles onto this tree. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that. Which is, like, a real fire hazard, and we should know that in 1984. We have electricity. And of there course. are these candles that are these, like short like maybe four inch tall red tapers and then they have like um like a like a saddle almost mm. to sit over the tree branch with weights on the bottom to keep them upright so that they don't i don't know burn the tree down mm -hmm. and so when they're doing this on the other side of the tree uh george michael is hanging garland and he accidentally drops it and who does it land on will the the ex? The ex-lover. And he's like, oh, sorry. And then they're like right next to each other. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at each other. Yes. And it's the tension is as thick as the snow outside. And oh, then wow. she gets up and goes to kiss her boyfriend. Which yes. feels like a, I need to prove to myself that I still want to actually fuck my boyfriend and not George Michael. So I'm going to go and I'm going to kiss him. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to prove it to myself. Sure. Yeah, I can't deny that. <laughs> that tracks. Are we at the part where they're at the dinner table and he stares no, at the yet. camera? No, not yet. Not yet. They're at the snowball fight. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the snowball fight, they like, again, they're, they're like, skiing's too much work. <laughs> sure. So they go have a snowball fight, and just outside of the fence is George Michael in his, like, parka. Mm-hmm. And this is the photo. He's so moody. He's just standing there so fucking moody. Mm-hmm. And this is the photo that was, like, the screen grab that was, like, the cover for the, the video for a long time on YouTube. Okay. Was him just, like, in this parka just looking like, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word that they always use for angel? Smoldering. Brooding. Brooding, mm. Brooding Sm- and smoldering. Yeah, both good. Both apply. And she's, like, building a snowman and doesn't have a hat on. <laughs> okay, so now we cut to... The dinner table? Dinner. Finally. And somebody brings out what I thought was a birthday cake. Uh-huh. But I realize now is a Christmas pudding because they are British. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Do, were yeah. you also like, why does this person have sparklers? I didn't, I, I didn't think that critically about anything <laughs> that I saw... There was only one thing that jumped out at me, and that is staring into the camera. Yes, uh-huh. So this is where there's, like, a weird flex that happens. Um, so Andrew Ridgely in this scene is wearing a brooch that is um, some flowers attached to some stems on the lapel of his jacket. Mm-hmm. And the brooch is upside down, meaning to say the flowers are upside down. The, uh-huh. the, the flowers are at the bottom. Yeah. And Red Lady is, like, looking at George Michael, directly at George Michael, mm-hmm. and fingering on her boyfriend, the brute. She's going, like, like just, like, rubbing her fingers over it, like it's a goddamn QVC commercial. Yeah. Um, pause for just one second. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking something up. Brooch. Okay. Yeah, uh, listen to this. Brooch. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not my voice. That is the voice of the dictionary via Google. Are we sure it's not? There's no version that's brooch. I I don't know how to read those. Like this is the how you pronounce spelling? it. Sort of. It's it, it's got an O with a straight line over the O. Yeah, that would be brooch. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> brooch. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to keep saying brooch. Um, <laughs> I wish you wouldn't, but okay. It's your episode. I wish you wouldn't. Okay, so after this um, scene where they're, like, eating dinner and there's, like, a Christmas pudding and she's, like, fingering this lapel pin. Here, Okay, can I just describe... <laughs> So, she's with her boyfriend. Yes. He is palling around with... He's sandwiched between two people... Yeah. He's supposed to be palling around with. Mm-hmm. And he's having a good time. But the he's boyfriend. Just, no, no. George Michael. Oh, George Michael. Okay. He's momentarily having a good time palling around with his mm-hmm. friends. Until we see him get distracted... And he looks away uh-huh. and across the table. And because we can't, we're, we're seeing a, basically a close up and we're not seeing what we're, what he's looking at at the same time as we're seeing him. Right. Yes. 
The fact that he's looking away and at something in particular uh-huh. is communicated to us, the audience, is that he looks into the camera lens. Yes, because so he's, he's so looking, broody. He's looking at us. Uh-huh. And then it cuts away to who he's looking at, the ex and her boyfriend, and uh-huh. it cuts back to him looking at the camera lens. You don't need to do that. <laughs> like you can you can look like just you could look just next to the camera. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we would understand, you know, what this shot is trying to communicate. Like, yeah. oh, he's looking at a fixed point and it's her. Yes. It is uh- so weird and off-putting. <laughs> you don't feel like looks- George Michael's looking at you. I don't hate it. I'm not <laughs> saying I hate it. It 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 just it just stands it just sticks out like the proverbial sore thumb, I think, yeah. in this in this video. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, and I'm sure that was also I do feel that that was absolutely like intentional to make people feel like George Michael was looking into their souls. Fair enough. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. Yeah. I just think it's weird because I think it's like a little It's very little, dramatic. It's a it's very dramatic and I think it's a little more fourth wall breaking <laughs> than like they were considering. Okay, so now the lyrics actually this is one of the places where the lyrics actually match up. Um a crowded room friends with tired eyes. Mm-hmm. So now it's like after Christmas everyone's basically in their jammies. They're all they all look I mean, if you didn't know the song and also, like, what had happened earlier in the song, they would look bored out of their minds. But they just mostly look, like, fucking half-drunk. Some of them are yes. actually asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, very cozy-looking. George Michael's drinking, like, a scotch or something. Mm-hmm. And then it flashes back... Yes. ...to... Last Christmas. The titular... And George and the lady are running through the snow, having a bang-up time. Mm-hmm. And she falls on the snow, and he, like, suggestively falls on top of her, which would be sexier if it weren't freezing cold, and we know how sex parts work now. Okay. Um, and then it cuts to... But also, in the video, it's very clear that they're at the same house. Okay. How, and how so? Because of the, the fencing. Okay. And also because, I mean, I think that regardless of their intention, mm-hmm. they certainly just filmed it at the same place, which was oh, this yeah. cabin in Switzerland. Sure. So then it cuts to them on Christmas night, and they're cuddled up by a fire and a Christmas tree. They are the only ones there. Mm-hmm. And he gave her the yeah. lapel pin. <laughs> the brooch. Yes. And, but when she wears it, she wears it with the flower facing up. Mm-hmm. So I have some more notes on this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're clearly at the same Swiss rental or whatever because uh-huh. there was no one else there. So did they just invite like 12 people the next year to keep up the tradition but make it less awkward for the two of them? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it was somebody's idea. Right. Also, she literally... So this is where she literally is doing what the song is saying. She literally gave the brooch away. Okay. She gave it to her new boyfriend. Yes. But that's a weird flex. Yeah. And also, were people... Were men in the 80s wearing, like, jeweled lapel pins? I don't know. I wasn't alive. That looks like... 
literally something that my great aunt Marge would have worn. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I, and again, this is working within the binary, but that's the sort of realm that we're working with here and the lie that we're telling with George Michael. That's the I, pretense. Yeah. Yes. I feel like these men weren't so uh, gender uh, bendy to just be like, oh yeah, this clear, like this like sort of crystally quartzy lapel pin works for a man or a woman. I don't, I don't know. I... I don't know if I follow you totally down that road, and I can't speak from experience, because as I said, I was born in 1990. Yeah. I can just speculate based on some media that I've consumed, but like, (laughs) just looking at like the fashion and like the hair, and I don't know, wasn't there a lot of like... I think there was a amount of flamboyance. Yes, yes, that's I'm a good looking, word for it. I guess I'm looking specifically at this pin and just, I do really, so my great my grand-aunt Marge was just, she was my, so my great-aunt Marge was my grandmother's brother's mm-hmm. third wife. Okay. Or second wife. No, my grandfather's brother's second wife. And she was just one of the strangest people I've ever met in my life. Here's a story that I learned about her later, but I think it encapsulates it, and it has to do with time. My uh, Uncle Bill, my great-uncle Bill, bought uh, her a digital watch the one year. Mm-hmm. And this was very new. Mm. And she, he lived in a house that he had built with Aunt Marge on the same property as a house with my cousin Judy, my dad's cousin, my first cousin once removed. And so he would go up to Judy's house and hang out with them and then come back home. And he showed Judy this digital watch. And she was like, oh, Marge is going to love that. And my Uncle Bill was like, no, he, she's going to hate it. And he, she was like, why? And Uncle Bill was like, well, first off, she's going to want to know how much it cost. Mm-hmm. So she's going to take it back to the store. Mm-hmm. But she's also not going to know how to reset it. And, like, mm-hmm. change the time on it. And she's not sure. going to like that. Mm-hmm. And Judy was like, well, you you change the time on your watch, like, what, twice a year? Like, maybe another time if the battery dies? He was like, not Marge. Every time that she was pissed at my Uncle Bill, and mm-hmm. he had gone up to hang out with Judy, my cousin Judy and, fr- and her husband Fred, mm-hmm. she would change every clock in the house ahead four hours or something like that. Okay. And then when he would get back, she would flip out and say, you've been gone for hours. Look what time it is. How dare you? Mm -hmm. And then when he would go to sleep, she would change all of the clocks back. Uh Uh-huh. And he knew this and was not bothered by it. He took everything she did in stride. Okay. And... (laughs) And so he just knew that she was not going to like this watch. Yeah. She also would, she just bought so many things. So she would, um, like, get catalogs. Mm -hmm. And she would, like, say everything she wanted, write out a check, and put it on the counter for Uncle Bill to take out to the mail. Uncle Bill would see this, rip it out, and throw it out. And she would, on multiple occasions, call the company because they had never sent her the thing. Mm -hmm. And would be so scary on the phone that they would just send it to her anyway. 
That rules. And so when she died, we got, like, she. so she only had one son, and her son was, um, like, a Catholic priest or something, and so he didn't, <laughs> you know, he was living, like, in poverty or whatever, and so... Mm-hmm. We got a lot of her things, mm. and one of the things we got was she had all of this costume jewelry, including all of these pins. And ah. these pins, like, again, she was buying this, like, cheap jewelry, mm-hmm. but a lot of it. And these yeah. pins just looked like something that she would have worn. <laughs> right. <laughs> it Yes, it do, the, the brooch in the video, it doesn't scream, like, unisex. Yes, Fair enough. Even for, like, the time of flamboyance. It just feels like an old lady thing to me. Not like... Or like a conservative woman thing, even, I guess is my point. Yes. Would you say, is in your mind, is it weird that that we see a man wearing it? Or is it weird that she gave it to him? It's it's both. It's weird that uh-huh. she was like, I don't really want this anymore. This gift that was for me from my ex-boyfriend. So I'll just give it to my current boyfriend because yeah. I feel like it's it's one that's a weird flex. Mm-hmm. And then to be like, could you wear this on Christmas? Yeah. But then so- t- two, the fact that it's like the fact that he was like, oh, this is such a nice gift. This is something that I really like and would like to wear on my coat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you were rewriting this video today, like, what is the most unisex thing? Like, say we had to keep the, like, heteronormative, like, gender binary that the video has. And so there's no, like, oh, it's like... It's just everyone's queer, It makes sense that it would be re-gifted because they're all men or they're all women. Yeah. uh, Or they're all non-binary or anything. Um, Say we're sticking with that, like, what... What could you possibly replace the brooch with that would be like, oh, okay, it makes sense that he gave it to her. Yes. And then it also makes sense that she would give it to this other guy and he would wear it, even though she wore it first and it was hers. I have two answers to this, actually. Okay, yeah. The first is, I think that you could get away with a watch. Yeah, uh, uh, okay. Not like a pocket watch. I think that it would have Uh to be a very specific mid-sized watch because a lot of men's watches are so big, they fall right off of my arms. Uh And a lot of lady watches are so small that they look more like bracelets. Yes. But I think you could find a very classic-looking mid-sized watch that would work. Mm. Okay. The other option is there are, like, men's necklaces that aren't, um, like, a man might wear a necklace that has, like, a coin on it or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that I feel like could fit within the realm of what we're discussing, and I wouldn't be surprised. Because okay. men wear necklaces sometimes, you know? Yeah. And I think that there could be a, a necklace with, like, a, a nice but more novel pendant mm-hmm. that would work in this situation. Yeah. What about a ring? Like, why wouldn't it be a ring? Uh, just, if we're going with heteronormativity, finger sizes are so wildly different. Yeah, okay, yeah, good point. Is the only the only reason I didn't go for that. Good point. I was just thinking about like what would be the most fitting thing, like symbolically, for yeah. like okay, if it's supposed to be like the the speaker's heart, but yeah, right, no, yeah. It, practically, yes, I can see why that wouldn't work. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think it would be weird if it was a pocket watch because pocket watches are weird. But I think that a pocket watch might also work. Sure. 
And that's symbolic, and it's like, oh, the passage of time. And and last Christmas. And yeah, right, exactly. I do want to make one more note about um, the Andrew Ridgely man, who's the other Wham person. Mm-hmm. Poor dude, being just like not George Michael and Wham. It's like George Mike Wham is George Michael and not George Michael. Mm-hmm. So this year, like October of this year, he put out a book called... Mm. And this is what the book is called. Wham! George Michael and me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Presumably, his na- his name is also on the cover. Right, but I just feel like he was like, he couldn't just write a book. Like, if George Michael wrote a book about mm-hmm. Wham, he wouldn't call it Wham, Andrew Ridgely and me. He would mm-hmm. just call it Wham, the George Michael story. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> um... So that's pretty much the video. The only, the only mm. other note I have here is that like they leave the ski resort again, which just like because at first I was like, well maybe they aren't actually, maybe they're like skiing and then they go to the cabin. Mm-hmm. But no, it ends with them on the ski lift going down the mountain now. So it's mm-hmm. like that's definitely how they got there, and they have never skied, but they still do have their skis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows how long they were up there? Yeah. And what we what we what they did that we didn't see on camera. So yeah, so that's my um that's my analysis and I think I have one more note. Okay. Um um so of course like a lot of different people have covered this song since. Jimmy mm-hmm. Eat World was the band that covered it I think 2 years ago that made me realize how much I loved this song. Mhm. But uh Ariana Grande has covered it. Taylor Swift has covered it. Uh, there's a lot of you like said, you said Ariana the way I used to say Mario. <laughs> oh, Carly Rae Jepsen also covered this song. Oh. Um, there's also like one of those like postmodern jukebox videos where they do like an old timey version of okay. the song, like uh, like in Bioshock Infinite. Did yes. You ever, did you yes. ever play that or watch it? Or anything? I watched it, and uh, I watched uh, Blake play it actually. And when I watched by him watch watched him play Bioshock Infinite um he was at the very end <laughs> mm-hmm. so I just saw this like mind fuck yeah. and then I was like uh w- what <laughs> there's a barbershop quartet version of the song God Only Knows recorded for Bioshock Infinite that uh I really like oh nice I may not always love you. <laughs> that sort of thing. So there is a version of this by the band. It's called Rap All Stars Last Christmas, and it's this like British rap group. Okay. But I am like, or something like that. I am fairly certain that George Michael is actually in the music video for this. So it's what? like not it's like they're sampling last Christmas but then they have raps as the verse. Uh-huh. And he's like actually in the music video. And it's the way you're talking about it it sounds like it's not just like archival footage. Yeah, yes. 1990. Okay, so this song came came out in 1998. So this version that he mm-hmm. then sings on, which I just think is notable because like um So he sings on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, they could have just sampled it, or and maybe they did just sample it, but he's like in the music video. Interesting. He didn't have anything. He didn't have to have anything to do with that. Right. 
And I think it's also noteworthy that George Michael has died. Yes. And do you know when he died? Christmas Day, 2016. Yes, he died on Christmas. Uh-huh. So this song, so last Christmas um, is, I think they described it as like the most popular song ever to have never hit number one. Oh, yeah. Because it's hit the charts a bunch of different times, but it's mm-hmm. never been number one. Interesting. And one of the times that it hit number one was the year that he died. You mean it finally did hit number one? Or sorry, one of or the years that it hit the, the charts again. That it charted. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That was uh, bad. So yeah, these are the years that it's been on the UK singles charts. Yes. 1984. Which, which, if you've ever seen the movie Love Actually, I understand is a very big deal at Christmas time in particular. Mm-hmm. What the chart and what's number one? Yes. Top so, of the pops. 1984, 1985, 1986, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. Oh, God, sorry. It's like every year after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's it's been a year. Yes, that the biggest the biggest selling single in the UK chart history not to reach number one. Cool. It sold over one point eight eight million copies as of January in twenty seventeen and was certified two times platinum in December twenty eighteen. Cool. So that is my thoughts on the song, which I adore. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts before we go on to the best thing that's ever happened? <laughs> I can't. I can't think about anything but. What we're going to talk about next. So, <laughs> sorry, but but no, I don't have any thought, more thoughts on the song. So, go ahead. I will let you lead this. I do 30? have my notes here, though, that I took in the theater. theater. In, at the cinema. At the cinema. 35 years later. <laughs> the song Last Christmas inspired a movie. <laughs> called Last Christmas, which came out in November of this year, the year of our Lord, 2019. (laughs) It was uh, one of the credited writers, uh, both both screenplay by and story by credit, Mm -hmm. uh, go at least in part to uh, Emma Thompson. Yes. Who has... Uh, appeared on screen in many things like I just mentioned Love Actually for example mm-hmm. um, she's also uh, written such films I'm looking at her IMDB now she's, she has screenplay credits on Bridget Jones's Baby mm-hmm. Nanny McPhee Nanny McPhee Returns and Sense and Sensibility which is truly one of the best movies I've ever seen Oh, really? I Yeah, it's uh, directed by uh, Ang Lee. Uh, and uh, so Emma Thompson has some, like, substantial cred in my mind. Oh, even yes. If it, even if it's only for just that one credit of yes. Sense and Sensibility. Totally. Last Christmas 2019 was directed by Paul Feig. Right. Do you uh, what? What do you know, Paul Feig for? He's come up on this podcast before, right? 
I, I mean, it's a name that I enjoy saying, so <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't, I don't remember though. I remember seeing his name and being like, "Oh, Will's talked about that man before." So he was a TV guy, uh-huh. uh huh, who worked on, say, like Freaks and Geeks, Arrested Development. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm looking at his IMDb. I don't. I'm not seeing the office, but I thought that he. Oh, well, I see Parks and Rec here. Anyway, it was a TV guy who jumped to movies, and his uh-huh. first hit was... Oh, he, oh, I'm sorry. Here's The Office. Okay, so he's like a TV director and writer. His first hit was Bridesmaids. Right. In 2011. Okay, yeah. And that's like... That's what gets him in the future, like, blank checks. Right in the in the terminology of my favorite podcast, blank check with uh-huh. Griffin and David. Se- second favorite. <clears throat> oh yeah, after this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that I think that blank check, a podcast where they cover directors who got blank checks mm-hmm. to make whatever movies they wanted. I think that they should do a mini series on Paul Feig. Oh yeah. Um, besides Bridesmaids, the most famous thing that he did since then is Ghostbusters 2016. Right. Uh-huh. Which is like an anti-blank check. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, it's a bomb. Yeah. And yet, uh, there's a certain kind of like... I mean, maybe, maybe if Paul Feig were anything but a white man, this wouldn't be the case. But uh-huh. Paul, Paul Feig being who he is, like, he's still working... And last year, he came out with a movie called A Simple Favor. I watched that. I think that's an... Ex- I haven't seen it. But I got the impression that, like, I think that they don't know how to market this movie. Because, like, it- I can't tell what it is from the commercials. Yeah, because I thought that it was going to be about how hot Blake Lively looked in a suit. Mm-hmm. And it was partially about that. But yeah. it was also about, um, spoilers... I'm letting people pause if they really want to see this movie. Incest? Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, so that... I haven't seen it, but that felt like another... That, that felt like you need to have a blank check in order to make that movie. Yeah. Uh, and that came after Ghostbusters. Uh, and now uh, his latest is, is Last Christmas. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> so he's like a comedy guy who like works mostly with women right like on screen Mm -hmm. so the trailer comes out the first trailer comes out for this movie last christmas and we knew that we were recording this episode yes already yeah because you've been saying it for the past year yeah since last christmas one might say at the holidays we you'll do a close reading of the song last christmas yes so i'm already anticipating that i'm also i'm more invested in movies this year than ever so Mm -hmm. like basically every day i'm going to youtube and youtube knows to recommend to me whatever movie trailers are new yes And and i don't watch all of them but i watch a lot of them yes and i saw this movie last christmas and it had uh amelia clark in it uh Khaleesi or Daenerys from Queen of Game the of Dragons. Thrones, who is like a very interesting one to be like, okay, Game of Thrones uh, has just ended this year. Uh-huh. 
her and like Kit Harrington and like the kids like Sansa and Arya it it'll be like very interesting to see like what careers they have going forward and like to what extent they are successful or will they just fade into obscurity especially like a because lot of, like, like a lot of t- TV people who don't successfully make the jump into yeah. movies cuz like Kit Harrington has only been in one other thing basically and do you know what that is because I saw this in theaters <sighs> I'm gonna know it when you say it, but I can't pull it off the top. What of does my Kenny head. have a tattoo of that I don't? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. For What's some Kenny's reason, favorite video game series? Uh, 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 Silent Hill. Yeah, he was in Silent Hill. No, he's been in more than that. You're 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 exaggerating by saying he's been in only one thing because they in uh-huh. the past few years they have already tried to make Kit Harrington a movie star, capitalizing on the success of Game of Thrones. I but think I that think I before think I... Game of Thrones, the only thing he had been in was Silent Hill. Okay, he made yeah. a joke about it on SNL, and I was like, oh yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I'm trying to look him up on IMDb. Um, I want to find an example of a thing that he was in in the game Pompeii. That's that's what I thought you were going to refer to. Oh. He was in he was in, in a movie called Pompeii, based on the song by Bastille. I assume. But- <laughs> so the trailer drops, mm-hmm. and the trailer is it's a, here's a romantic comedy starring Amelia Clark. As a fuck-up in London. Mm-hmm. She's crashing on people's couches. She has a job as an elf in a Christmas store. Mm-hmm. You know, she's hungover. She gets drunk. She meets a guy. And Ooh. they have a meet-cute. And he's very charming. And she's very skeptical of that. Mm-hmm. But clearly they fall in love. And she confides in him... That she got sick a year ago, and things were really scary for her. And that's kind of when her problems started, and she started to act out more. I saw this trailer. I thought I saw two things. I saw Amelia Clark Uh and Paul Feig, Uh and to a lesser extent Emma Thompson. And I thought this. Well, this is doomed. I thought this is going to rule. I, I thought this is like post Ghostbusters Paul Feig <laughs> and it's like post Game of Thrones Amelia Clark and I thought like these two people are like not set up for success. Yeah. This movie is gonna be a funny disaster. Mm-hmm. And then I scrolled down and I looked at the comments on YouTube. <laughs> and months before this film was in theaters, the months. comments had people saying Oh, when she got sick a year ago, she needed a heart transplant. (laughs) And the heart transplant came from him. (laughs) And he's a ghost. God, and I mean, spoilers, they were just fucking right. (laughs) Spoilers, that is 100% correct. It, like, wasn't even more, like, I feel like I read multiple theories and some of them were more complicated than that or more nuanced. And it was Mm -hmm. like, no. There is nothing complicated about this movie no. at all. 
So we were there, I think, opening weekend, or uh-huh. if not, you saw it very after. soon. Yeah, because I was pissed that I didn't see it as soon as you did. Let's say I think we were there opening weekend. We went to the multiplex. There was a group of like five or six of us. We got into the theater. We were only a little bit early, mm-hmm. and the theater was completely empty. <laughs> and we were like, thank God, this is perfect. This is ideal. We can just mystery science theater this shit the whole time. And we got the best seats and we sat down and we waited. And then, unfortunately, literally like four more people, uh, like, yeah, trick, just like ju- just like a few more people, like, trickled in. So we got to enjoy it and we got to laugh about it. But we did not get to, like, yell at the screen, <laughs> as we probably would have if we had been alone. So, and then you saw it weeks later. Yes. And I took notes, which, do you, you know how I have bad handwriting? Yeah. Do you want to see some Liz writing in the dark bad handwriting? Yeah, please. Oh, Jesus. That, <laughs> that is, I, I don't think you saw Joker this year. <laughs> no, I didn't. Have you ever seen uh, Taxi Driver? No. With uh, Robert De- Oh, okay. Well, anyway, those two films, not coincidentally, do a very similar thing, which is our uh, scary protagonists uh, write in a journal, and uh, <laughs> their handwriting is, uh, you know, uh, it's it's supposed to make you think, you know, either you know, either they are not uh, well educated. Uh huh. Or they are insane, uh, or or both. Yes, I I want to say that um, this was I went to a one of those dine-in movie theaters for this. Wow! But it was because that's like the only two options here now. I thought I was going to have a snack, and I did not. But I did have the table, which is what I needed for these notes. Ah. Uh, can I, can I, we can talk a lot about this. <laughs> can I just read you one note that I have from the very beginning? Give me as many or as few notes as you like. I wrote, confirmed, he has legs. <laughs> because at the beginning when she spots him outside, she first spots him up high, mm. but then she goes down and there's like mm. a really long shot on just his like trousers. But like not, not like a sexy part, like okay. literally just like thigh, like mid thigh yeah. down. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And it was like, she, I was like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, I also wrote, God damn, they're charming. Mm-hmm. I also wrote, they are so British. Yeah. The movie is like so British. Okay, let's start there. <laughs> Last Christmas is a period piece. <laughs> it tells you in very specific terms... That this is the Christmas season 2017. Yes, it does. It does tell you that. And then... Uh, so there are a couple things that I want to say about this. And that yes. as, a, as a choice. Yes. The first is that in the course of the movie, Brexit happens. Yes. And Emma Thompson the, is devastated. The Brexit vote happens. Yes. And they include that in the movie, and they include scenes where Emma Thompson, like, they go out of their way to show you, like, the people that we're following and rooting for, Mm -hmm. 
they like they, they are they are to some extent foreigners and they like foreigners and they will treat others with respect and dignity yes. and kindness yes. yes and it's very performatively woke and it has very little to do with like the story yes. of, of the movie Yes. Except to the extent that it is a story about, like, this one person on a mm-hmm. journey from, like, being a shit heel to being a good person. Yeah. Um, the other... So, okay, real, real quick about, like, the, how Emma Thompson is distraught about Oh, it. please, please talk about Emma Thompson. This was the thing that I remember was most upsetting to you. No, actually, pause, because that's too big of a thing. It's going to overshadow the other thing that I want to say about 2017. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. The choice to make it Christmas season 2017, and they say, okay, the the story is inspired by the song. Right. Really, it's inspired by the first two lines of the song. It's just last Christmas just I gave you a my heart. One to one. That's just it's just one to one with those two lines. Last Christmas I line. gave you my that's heart. That's one line. One of the first things that they establish in the movie, like the very first thing, is like she's a singer, yes, always has been, and she loves George Michael. Yes, but she never actually says I love George Michael. Okay, Which but I, she- I wanted to bring that up. Doesn't because she say like he's the greatest or? or I, okay, maybe maybe when I she's was getting picked up in the bar, it's like really early on. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I feel like I thought there was going to be a conversation with dude about how she loved George Michael. Maybe it you're right. just maybe. goes away. Yes, it's like, very relevant in the beginning, and then for the rest of the movie, it's just like we hear his music, but they never constantly. like bond over George Michael yes. and their love of him. And also, like, in her room, her room, her childhood bedroom is, like, plastered with pictures of George Michael. Again, right. not acknowledged. <laughs> yes. She's, like, a super fan. And that's clear from the beginning. And it seems important at the beginning. But that it turns out that's, like, just context. Yes. <laughs> and it never becomes text again. Yes. But here's why I'm bringing it up. is because <laughs> what, we, what we come to learn later is that last Christmas, she got in an accident. Uh-huh. She needed the heart transplant. She almost died. Yes. The present day is Christmas time 2017. Uh-huh. Last Christmas is also the Christmas when George Michael died. Yes! That's yes. when they locate it in time. Yes. A year later, <laughs> so that that is the last Christmas. Right. And that is never acknowledged. No. <laughs> they never acknowledge the coincidence that they have set up by setting it in this one specific year. That the last Christmas that they are looking back to in the title is the day that the singer whose music inspired this movie died in real life. Oh my god. Okay, now so let's now let's go back to the Emma Thompson and you uh-huh. brought up how she, her character is upset about the Brexit vote. Yes. Her parents immigrated to the UK from the former Yugoslavia. Yes. Emma Thompson co-wrote this movie. <laughs> I've like already heard the Goslings and I'm just like waiting. She wrote this character for herself. <laughs> what I knew from the beginning 
what for, from the beginning, just from seeing the trailers, mm-hmm. my perspective was like, this seems this seems odd. Yeah, because this does not seem like a rich, multi-dimensional, interesting character. It seems like a like a caricature of a foreign person uh-huh. that you might expect to see on like SNL. Yes, it seems like a it seems like it is written a sketch, written and played like a sketch comedy character. Mm-hmm. That alone is weird. Yes, and then add because to again, that, Tem- because again, Emma Thompson is a good actress. Yeah, yeah, she's good. Add add to that now having seen the movie rather than just the trailers. Mm-hmm. I would say it's even weirder in juxtaposition to the character of her father. Right. Who is also from the former Yugoslavia, but seems a lot more grounded. So grounded. And like yeah. like likable. Right. He seems like a regu- he seems like like a like a person. Like, and like, like a person that has like legitimately experienced like the tragedy of losing his like career. Right, exactly. And she is just this very big broad comedy character. Yeah. Who you're supposed to laugh at like how She says like lesbian pudding. She says uh, lesbian pudding and <laughs> she like sings in this like you know sort of a way. <laughs> the old the old the old world folk te- folk songs or whatever. Right. And it's just it's just played for comedy. And the two things that I think are are most appallingly played for laughs uh-huh. are this person's foreign. Yes. And these homeless people are are, are weird. Yeah. Because part of what happens is that she becomes more and more involved with uh, work volunteering at a homeless shelter. Yes. And and there's a kind of sort of having your cake and eating it too both ways like you see homeless people like they're visible and yeah. they're sympathetic and it's nice uh, seeing seeing uh, her uh, seeing them and seeing her uh, interact with them at the same time there is there's a kind of like they kind of they each have their own like quirky thing yeah so and I they're... was thinking I was thinking about this and I I see what you're saying to a point it feels like a lot of the people especially the people who had like physical disabilities mm-hmm. actually had those physical disabilities mm, right so while Yes, it does definitely seem like each of them have their own, like, quirky thing. It also feels like they actually, like... And I don't know this. I did not look this up. It seems like they actually hired, like, a people, a group of people with, like, diverse abilities. Mm-hmm. And diverse backgrounds. Um, and I thought that was, like... I mean, sort of like a, like, woke... It is what you're saying, I think. But better than But it's sort of, like, not half, halfway there in terms of... Do, doing something responsible because it's like you 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 got all these people good but you got them to play yes. like just this sort of menagerie of background characters who were just supposed to enjoy in this on, on this really like superficial uh-huh. as, as the audience and they're not like people you know with names and lives yeah do you have any other 
notes that you want to highlight or thoughts that you want to share. I agree, by the way, I agree, by the way, about the two leads being charming. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's what's good about the movie. To the, to the extent that it is an enjoyable movie, which is not insignificant, but not so significant that I would, like, recommend it, um, it is, it is carried by their, their charms and their yes. charisma and their chemistry. Yes. And their hotness. They're so hot. They're both so hot. Also, what's her face? What is her name? Am- Amelia. Amelia Clark. Clark, yes. She is so tiny, which I mm. don't think I realized when she was Dragon Lady. I guess because Kit Harrington is also very small. Yes. The other note, I, I put a note about, I put Angel Vamp in parentheses because at one point she like is, has her head against his chest and I was like, but can she feel his heart, hear his heart beating? Mm, right. Yes. Does he have one? Does he have a ghost heart now that she has a, his real heart? Um, I think, you know, I did get like pretty smacked by the whole heart surgery stuff just because of Elliot. Of course. Like when she, this, not, not just that it existed, mm-hmm. um, but when she's like pulling her shirt down and he's mm-hmm. like very gently touching her heart surgery scar. Right. I was just that, I lost that. Like, yeah. the tenderness there. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to point out that all of the bus drivers in this movie are incredibly patient. Mm. More than once, maybe three times, definitely two, mm-hmm. uh, a bus pulls up and she's talking to no one. <laughs> yes. And the dude just waits there for at least right. two minutes. Yes. <laughs> she's talking to a ghost that no one else can see. So let's just, let's let's focus on that. If we focus on anything else, we yes. just have we just have to focus on like the twist and like what is actually going on. Yes. So narratively, textually, uh-huh. here's what we have. Yes. A year ago she got in an accident or no, he got in an accident. Yes, Sorry. he got in into a bicycle accident. She fell ill and he got killed in an accident. And so she needed a heart transplant and she got his heart. Uh-huh. It's been not quite a year since that happened. Yes. It's not I don't think it's the anniversary or anything as specific as that. It's just been vaguely a year. Mm-hmm. She is uh in a rut and she sees him and they meet. Yes. The way that they the way that they interact is like any two people meeting. Yes. It does seem like they're both trying to figure each other out though, is something I would say. Okay. Cause I was wondering about this too, and what I landed on is like she is drawn to him for some reason, but she definitely is trying to figure out his deal. But he's also trying to figure out her deal because he keeps asking her these questions and like see how she seeing how she reacts to stuff. Fair enough. But the the textually speaking, like we we don't we you know she's the lead character mm-hmm. she's our way into the story we don't know what he knows or what he's thinking mm-hmm. so they they hang out and they keep seeing each other and they start like almost quasi dating mm-hmm. but, but it's very inconsistent and they make it very clear that it's very inconsistent where she won't hear from him for days just a few things are odd uh-huh. The first is that he just kind of comes and goes, mm-hmm. and 
she can't get in touch with him when he's not around. Yeah, she sort of knows some places to look for him, maybe, but it often doesn't work out. He just One of those did- places is just out of the window. <laughs> right, of where she works. <laughs> yes. So he disappears for stretches at a time. That's weird. Uh-huh. And the other thing is, and it's it's not really, it's not played like it's super weird, like we're supposed to wonder about it, but it's played that like, oh, part of his character is that he's always sort of like dancing around. Mm-hmm. And and people uh, will just like walk at him mm-hmm. like he's not there. Yes. And, and he doesn't just step out of the way. He really like flourishes about it. So that we, as the audience, really like notice like when he's doing this and when this is happening to him. Yes. So, of course, that's the reason why is because nobody else sees him. Yes. So, fast forward. They have a meeting where, like, she has these really strong feelings for him. She wants to, like, make it official. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, I have something that I need to tell you. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, please listen. Like, you can't depend on me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, forget this. Forget everything. Goodbye forever. This is so typical. Yeah. Then she finds out independent of him that he's dead. Yes. And then they meet again. And it's like, oh, wow. Now, now we know. And and this was this was so important and meaningful, and we have these feelings, but we can't be together. Goodbye forever. Mm-hmm. So what I'm wondering is, I'm just I'm really fixated on like what is going through his head, because textually speaking, we never really get confirmation that he knows that he's dead. Yes. Or that he knows who she is to him. Mm-hmm. Or that he knows that oh, he, she's he the know- only one who can see him. We do get confirmation that he knows that what she after needs. she after she knows. Oh, okay, yes. It's basically like the, the only like the best explanation. Not that I need an explanation, uh-huh. but there's just the the movie textually gives you so little mm-hmm. as to like what was really going on the whole time. Yeah. Is he a ghost? Is he an angel? Like, the best explanation I can think of is that, like, he's a figment of her imagination, and therefore he he only knows what she knows be- in that sort of fight club way, mm-hmm. where, like, I know this because Tyler knows this, I because mean, like, Tyler for somebody, is me. For somebody who uh, was saying that I was maybe taking the lyrics last Christmas too seriously, I have a way better explanation than this, which seems incredibly convoluted. Okay, what's your reading? Okay, so this, you know, we don't, you're, I want to say that you're correct in that we don't fully get the rules of how ghosts work. No. But I think that it's a general trope that ghosts oftentimes have unfinished business. And that's why they are ghosts and they are not on the other side. Sure. My thought is that uh, there is a bit of a two-way street going on here. Mm-hmm. He is a ghost um, because he knows that this very important part of him was given to somebody else. Okay. And he is trying to figure that out for himself. Mm-hmm. She 
is having the same feelings, right? Part of the mo- one of the most devastating things about this, and I would say that I haven't had a heart transplant, but like, I remember when I had my knee surgery, this is like so minor in comparison, but when I had my knee surgery, I couldn't feel to the right of my scar anymore on my knee. Mm-hmm. And I almost threw up the first time I saw that. Five days mm-hmm. after my surgery, I took off my bandages, realized that I could not feel part of my leg anymore, and almost just vomited on myself. Mm-hmm. And so for her, so when she was saying, like, this thing that I that I feel like is the most, maybe the most special part of me was replaced, and now I just don't feel like myself, mm-hmm. I, I really understood that. Mm-hmm. Um... And that's really devastating. And so he is both coming to her to try to figure out where his heart went, but also she is trying to just find any calm, right? So she Mm -hmm. doesn't know yet that what he means to her. Yeah. But she has not, she's been sleeping around. Mm -hmm. She's trying to feel something in her body. She's trying to feel present in her own body. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, she's doing this through just trying to create physical sensation, either through, I mean, okay. one could argue that getting drunk is like a numbing, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's, tr- she's pushing her body to extremes. Okay. And so he's a ghost and he's there. I mean, I think he also doesn't totally know what he's doing at first. I think when he gets there, he's like, who is this lady that has my heart? I'm a ghost and I have unfinished business. And I think that, then he starts um, realizing that, like, he quite cares for the person who has his heart, not just because she has his heart, but also, as we learned at the very end, there's two lines at the very end that I think are important. Mm. She says, why can't I feel you? Mm-hmm. And he says, because you have a part of me. So also, mm-hmm. if I was a ghost and there was one person I communi- could communicate with, I'd probably also get pretty infatuated with them. Yeah, and then but- two... <laughs> And then, too, yeah. <laughs> he says, and I thought this line was weird, but I, again, I like this movie, so I'm going to go with it. He says, you would have had my heart one way or the other, which is to right. say that I don't think he was expecting when he was just trying to figure out what was going on that he was going to fall in love with her as a ghost, mm-hmm. um, even if they knew that it would never work out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my question is, if if in your reading... Yes. He's he's a ghost. He understands that he's dead. He understands mm-hmm. that she has his heart mm-hmm. and his, his unfinished business is he needs to like accept that that's okay and good mm-hmm. before he can move on or whatever. Then and and you like you were saying like, oh, you would be infatuated too if you were a ghost and there was this one person who could see and touch and interact with you. Yeah. My question is then why is it a secret? If if he understands all this, yeah, then why isn't he going like, "Hey, I'm dead, and you're the only person." <laughs> and look, and look at this, and look at how I can just put my hand through this other person, yeah, yeah, and, and like to prove it, so you uh-huh. believe me, and like, so so, how do you explain this? Okay, so how, again, no, 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 I would specifically, say, no, yes. no, no, I'm about to say something specific. Okay, how do you explain this? There's a scene where she's leaving work and they're going to go on like a walking date. Yeah. And she wants to change. Yes. But uh, that's, you know, she can't go home and do it. That's a long ways away. So she goes, I'm going to change on on this street corner. Yeah. 
and he goes, I'm going to open up my coat and create like a wall so that people won't see you. Mm -hmm. And then strangers walk by and And cat call her and cat call her because they can see her just fine. Mm -hmm. How do you explain why he did that? Yes, I can explain it because ghosts can never tell you that they're ghosts because you'll freak out. So, and so, that is very early, right? Because he does eventually try to tell her, right? But that's like their first walking date. So what you're saying is that this character, who we're supposed to think is completely charming, mm-hmm. is deceiving her. I would say by that going he's not- like by going like no one will see you because I think I'm she here. Kind of forces him to do that, and I think he goes with it. I don't think he's like, let me offer you this thing. I think that she's like, stand here. I have to get changed. I'm not wearing this. I'm not wearing this another second. If I'm remembering correctly. Even if it is, even if it is her idea, which I think you're right. I think I do remember it that way. Now that you say that, even if it's her idea, like it, it seems to me like it should be inexcusable that he doesn't go like, oh, this isn't going to work. (laughs) (laughs) Like everyone's still going to see you. I, I can, I can except that he is new to being a ghost and doesn't know how to handle these situations yet. Okay. So so I would accept that if we just take it one step further. Yeah. And if we could agree that, like, he's a ghost, but he's confused. Yes. Like, he is the sort of ghost who is, like, sort of in between, like, doesn't fully understand, like, his situation and, like, what it means. Yeah. He's just, like, aimlessly, like, going through it with some confusion. Uh-huh. And there was a point somewhere in the middle of the movie, I can't remember exactly what made me think this, but something that he said to her made me think, like, oh, he doesn't even remember them meeting. Like, this is almost like a little bit of, like, a 51st dates. Like, oh, he, uh-huh. he's such an airhead that, like, that that she is connecting to him in a way that he's not connecting to her because like as a ghost he like can't remember her that well <laughs> but he was actually just being like he was actually just being weird i and, i truly and, just and, think and it's guess, like he just feels like he can't say anything i guess if we read into it i i feel like my my problem is like it seems to me like like on the face of it, it seems like there's too much, like, he's deceiving her uh-huh. by withholding a lot of information. But if you tell me, like, he's just really confused. Yeah. And he he doesn't he doesn't have the capacity to explain all, to, all that to her. I would accept that. And I think that just kind of feeds into my theory that, like, maybe he's, like, kind of more made up than, like, a ghost. Mm-hmm. But you could, I, you know, you could read it both ways, and I'm not make, you know, making a, a case for just one reading. I think, I think that he is confused in the sense that, not like confused about his ghostness. I think he's confused because I think that he doesn't know how to handle the situation and is just really going with the flow with it, and also feels probably feels very certain that he cannot reveal himself. We, we we should wrap up this discussion. Yes. And I'm I have gonna, three notes. I'm just going to make a sweeping generalization that like the the real headline, this whole conversation about theories and readings that we've just had. Yeah. The real headline is the movie does not care. 
Like yes. the, the movie doesn't give a shit what's really going on. Uh-huh. The movie just cares, like, what if we made a romantic comedy out of the lines, last Christmas I gave you my heart. That is yes. the beginning of the e- end of the end of, like, the thought process behind Which this. I am obsessed and that's, with. And that's kind of the point. What are your other notes? Three more notes. The shop owner love story, I yes. fucking loved. Okay, I was just going to speed by that in just to say like that is so bizarre that part it's of the movie so funny i liked it because it almost felt like it feels like a b plot is that what that's called it but, is absolutely yes. but i don't know if there are b plots in movies or if that's only no there movie. can be i mean okay. it, it it is a it is a very sitcom-esque movie and it's yes. more of a tv term but you can apply it to movies that are very much like television yeah like this one that <laughs> is made by uh, a movie director who used to be a tv director right um I thought it was so funny, and it, I think it almost felt like this is the Christmas love story you're used to getting. I guess. It, it's so bizarre, though. And it seems like, honestly, when they when we first see those two together, and yeah. I guess we're supposed to understand that they have these feelings for each other under the surface, I seriously thought, like... Oh, like they hate each other. Like I, I really thought, like, oh, there, we're gonna learn that there's some history between these two, where like she seemed like deeply afraid of him for oh, some reason. I could tell from the music that they were like both totally in love with each other at first sight, and that was the joke. And the music might tell you that, but I think the the performances did not tell you that at all. <laughs> and I think if you took the music out, it would be a very different scene. Surely, and the part, surely. and the part where she says like his name something about like how she can't pronounce his name yes yeah. was, was so weird to me and i uh, it, it, it yeah it, it, just a just a big collection of weird weird choices i love the whole thing totally non-essentials of the film the um other note which i have told you but i feel like our goslings have to know is that inexplicably my showing had chinese subtitles thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you for reminding me of that <laughs> So, like, it was weird because, you know, it starts and they're in former Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. So when there were subtitles, and I knew that that character, the shop owner, I believe is Chinese. Mm-hmm. And so in my head, I almost was like, like, mm-hmm. in my head, it almost made sense that it was part of the movie. And I just hadn't mm-hmm. figured out why yet. Mm-hmm. Until everything was in Chinese. Right. But also because there are times that they're speaking in, I guess, Yugoslavian. I guess. Uh... There was like Yugoslav. There was like English subtitles on top of Chinese subtitles. Right. Yeah. I also learned from this, and my coworker Ray, who is Chinese, um, explained this to me. It would, you know, I understand that Chinese has characters, and those characters have different meaning than like letters, individual letters do for us. Mm-hmm. But there'd be a sentence, you know, there'd be a sentence like, mm-hmm. "This is a sentence," yeah. and it would be like five characters. Mm-hmm. But then multiple times in the movie, it would say, "Yeah." And mm-hmm. there'd be three characters on the screen. <laughs> Interesting. And so I said to Ray, I was like, do you know why this is? And he was like, it's usually two. And I was mm-hmm. like, that makes also not sense. But mm-hmm. and then he was like mulling it over. And he was like, you know what? You know how in English when you say, yeah, you're sort of also saying like, I concur or I sure. agree. Yep. That's apparently why that was. Okay. My final note. Uh, is Can from... I just say, are you? Oh, yeah, it sounds like you have some like janky ass movie theaters in <laughs> in in range of you. And I, I, no, the I Kellen one, the Kellen's one is really nice. Okay. Um, 
So Tasha Tasha Coriel, um, mm-hmm. writer and friend mm-hmm. um, of me, uh, not of the pod because she doesn't do podcasts, as she told me at AWP this year. Uh, she's never listening to this because she doesn't do podcasts. So uh, you must have a big craw because there are so many things <laughs> stuck there that never <laughs> never seem to drop off. What do you mean craw? Like you a know, claw? When, like no, a hand? You, no, you get something stuck in your craw. In my craw? That's a, not you specifically, but that that's an expression. Is What's like when a craw? you craw. Well, I'll look it up. You say what you're gonna say. <laughs> so she had tweeted: Are there any movies where a disorganized woman starts planning things, or or are all movies about women centered around how uptight they are and about them learning to relax? And I said I would argue that this is what happens in Last Christmas, my new favorite Christmas movie. Mm. And. uh... I think that's worthwhile to mention that Amelia Clark's character does go through a uh, arc that is not usually reserved for women. Okay, yeah, interesting. A uh, craw is the crop of a bird or insect. That definition is labeled dated. <laughs> and the second definition is labeled humorous. And that is, the humorous definition is the stomach of a person or animal. Okay. It is humorous to say that you have something stuck in your craw. Yeah. Um, so this is your favorite Christmas movie now? Yeah. Cool. My favorite adult Christmas movie. And your favorite kids Christmas movie? Well, my mom would argue this isn't a movie. <laughs> is? A Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's a TV special, technically, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. Um, and then also, I would say, well, and I mean, this doesn't really count, but like... We always watched, because of the way my mom had recorded them on a VHS, A Charlie Brown Christmas and The Grinch Who Stole Christmas yeah. back-to-back. Right. So that double feature is my favorite mm-hmm. Christmas movie. That's completely That's justifiable. Yeah, I couldn't argue with that. Um, and, uh, and and mine is Die Hard, because I'm a big, <laughs> dumb idiot, so- son of the President of the United States. And my other favorite... Well, did you see the tweet that I sent you about this? I don't recall. It was... Uh, it was about Die Hard. I'll find this and then we can end it because yeah, it's we, right here. We need to end it. <laughs> okay, here it was. Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. He sneaks around a ty- tower at night avoiding Alan Rickman. It's a Harry Potter movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did see that. <laughs> Which, by the way, are Christmas movies themselves. So <laughs> by the transitive property, that tweet is saying the opposite of what it says it's saying. Merry Christmas, Will. Happy holidays, Liz. And a happy new year. I'll, uh, we'll talk about this last Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, ElizabethDeannaMorrisLakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com, and the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>